0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church, family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. And so we are going to go into today's message. You're going to hear three people today. They will not talk for a long time because I have ADD myself and I can't handle long messages. Um, But I'm going to talk for a few minutes, and then Jonathan and Rhonda are going to come up and speak. Jonathan works with our youth, leads our youth, and Rhonda leads our worship, and they are going to bring the the heat today. Um, But we've started a message on self-care. The reason we've been talking about this is because we need to know how to take care of ourselves. So with self-care, and I'm going to share the first point in that message, um, that that helps me take care of myself. Because apart from being a pastor, the lead pastor at this church, and being a husband to my beautiful, wonderful wife, and a father to however many kids I have today, um, and an employee at my job, I am here and I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And I can never move myself out of that position. Like I can't get lost in being a pastor. I can't find my identity in that. Like, I enjoy and I thank God for this opportunity to do this, um, but I can't get lost in that. I love my wife, but let me tell you something. My wife doesn't have everything I need. There are some things that I need that are only found in Jesus. And if I look for those things that are only found in Jesus in my wife, um, I'm going to put an undue expectation on her. I'm going to ask her for something that she can't give me. And that's not fair to her. My job, my job pays my bills. But when it comes down to it, my hope and my provider is Christ. And I thank God for that paycheck. But I have to trust Christ more than I trust the school district that I work for. And so one of the things I use, I shared a whole message a few weeks ago. But one of the things I use, and it's your first point on your outline. And it says, I realize that nothing is perfect but I expect it to get better. And if we could put that on the screen. I realize that nothing is perfect, but I expect it to get better. And there's a scripture out of the the book of Philippians that you could put on the screen as well, and we're going to read through that together. And this is Paul speaking, and this is out of the Passion Translation. And, And I don't use this one a lot, but I thought it said it pretty cool, and you can read it in another translation if you'd like. But it says, I admit that I haven't yet... Acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing. That's the first part of that statement. I realize that nothing is perfect. I admit, Chris admits, that I haven't yet got the absolute fullness that I am pursuing. So you have to be realistic in your walk with God. You have to be able to look at your life and to look at yourself and to say, you know what? I am not there yet this world is not perfect. My, this, this world is broken. It's beautiful, but it's broken. It, things can be beautiful and broken at the same time. And that's what this world is. And, and in me, who I'm made, and I'm talking about myself, I'm made in the image of God. I'm, I'm saved by Jesus' death on the cross. I'm filled with God's spirit, but I'm not perfect. And there's things that I see in myself sometimes that I'm like, man, I I thought I dealt with this already, but then it comes up again. And if you are realistic about yourself, you have those same battles. You deal with something and you think it's gone, and then all of a sudden it comes up. And you have to go back and say, nothing is perfect. My marriage will never be perfect. It's great. It's better than it's ever been. But it'll never be perfect. I'll never be a perfect father. No matter how hard I try, I will still make mistakes. And my kids are probably going to need counseling. Amen? You know, they're dealing with me, and they'll be like, you know what my dad did one day? I mean, but parents do that. We make mistakes. And I'll apologize to my kids. But I'm not perfect. And my job, no matter what job you get, there's a reason they pay you to show up. Because if they didn't pay me, I wouldn't be there every day. At least not that long. Maybe pop in for a few hours and then leave. there's nothing perfect in this world. The only thing that's perfect is what Christ has made us in the new heavens and the new earth that he will establish when he returns. So I admit, we live in a culture, and I'm not going to take too long, where where we don't want to admit that we don't have the fullness. We put the pictures online. I haven't been on Facebook in probably a few months, my wife is like, did you see that on Facebook or Instagram? I just completely checked out in like March. I said, I'm done. I can't even look at this stuff. It drives me crazy. But every picture has to have the right filter. And, and even, even kids are like, don't put that picture of me because I'm not looking the right way and I'm not smiling and, and what is that spot and my suntan isn't right. I and mean, even young ones are saying this crap because we don't want to admit that we don't have the fullness. We want everything to look perfect, but it's not. But I love this next part. It says, It's the fullness that I'm pursuing. I am pursuing that which is perfect. I am striving to be a better husband. I am striving to be a better father, a better employee, a better pastor. I am pursuing it. And I run with passion, with passion into His abundance. Even though we don't have the fullness, He has abundance. He has more than we need, and sometimes we got to realize that we don't have enough and put ourselves in the position so that we're pursuing with passion and entering God's abundance and, and receiving the grace and allowing Him to change us so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill. And he wants me to discover. See, I'm really big on purpose. Money doesn't satisfy. Nothing satisfies. Like, I'm the type of person that I'm just a little bit good at a lot of things. I don't know if you guys are like that. Some of you might be experts in one thing, and that's your deal. I'm a little bit good in a lot of things. I could put my hands to something. I could try something. And I kind of excel, and then I get bored because that doesn't satisfy. And then I move over here, I put my hands in this little thing, and I get kind of good, and then I get bored because that doesn't satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is his abundance and reaching the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to. So when I talk about self-care and I say I realize that nothing is perfect, not myself, not my situation, not my, not my life, but I expect it to get better you got to expect. you got to pursue with passion. you got to say, even if it only gets better when Jesus returns, I will hope in that. Uh, not to get too personal, and, and Jonathan, get ready because you're coming up. But I went Friday to Duke. I had a third or fourth opinion on my back, and the guy was really cool. First of all, he was my same age, and that made me feel really old. When I'm going to a neurosurgeon that is my age, I'm like, you're supposed to be older than me and no more, but you look like me. This is not good. But he was young, and he had obviously studied stuff and knew a lot, and he had looked at all my scans, and, and he said, you know, it looks like this is just nerve damage. It's never going to go away. Looks like they, you know, something happened, and we can't do anything, and so you're probably just going to have this forever. It's not perfect. Now, I expect it to get better, I'm going to pray, I'm going to hope, I'm going to seek God for healing, but if it doesn't, if my back never gets better until Jesus returns and makes a new body for Chris, if the only time you ever see me not hurting is when my body is made new, it will still get better. And I might be in pain for the next 40 or 50 years, but I'm going to have a millennium or an eternity of a restored body. And so it won't stop me. I won't lose hope. I will pursue with passion and limp my fat butt across the finish line if I have to. Passion doesn't mean pretty. You don't, You're following God doesn't have to look pretty. It just has to be passionate. And I might be snotting and breathing hard and limping and falling, but I'm moving. And that's how I take care of myself. Jonathan is going to show up. He's going to share a few things he used to take care of his self. And then Rhonda is going to follow. Hey,
1: incremental growth is growth nonetheless,
0: right? So um, if you can go ahead and place
1: that picture up for me. So this is what I picture self-care looking like. Uh, you got the, the, the random couple that I found on Google on the left who looks you know, nice and put together. And then after a kid or two or three, you got, you know, dad over there in the back looking like a hot mess. Mom still looking beautiful. So, um, but no, I didn't put a, I didn't put a picture of us up there because um, it would have been me looking like the ugly person and then Jesse looking all beautiful and stuff like that. So, um, yes, I would have been killed. Exactly. So, Um, But let's go ahead and jump right into it. So, um, I'm Jonathan, like Chris said, um, the the guy who uh, does the youth. So, um, but last week we've been, uh, you guys heard a little bit about um, how Caleb and G uh, stay fresh and growing. You know, they steward their bodies with fitness and how fitness is a statement of faith um, and hungering for God so much that all you desire is actively pursuing him. And today want to show you or I want to talk to you about uh, some of the things that I do to continue to stay fresh and to uh, grow spiritually. So, within the last few months, my beautiful wife, Jessie, um, has been uh, learning um, and doing some extensive research on Enneagram types. How many of you guys have heard of the uh, Enneagram types? Well, yeah. So, Essentially, it's a personality typing system that categorizes people based off of their motivations and not just their actions. Excuse me. So, um, I'm an Enneagram type 7, which is the enthusiast. Uh, I always see the bright side of things. I'm a dreamer. Um, I'm very lighthearted. And I have a very, very rich... Fantasy life <laughs> like I, I can I and mean, I, can, I, can, I can imagine anything and just just take off so um, I remember um, when I worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield um, a couple years ago, uh, you know i 'd come home from lunch because uh, I lived probably a half a mile away from the from where I work, and uh, Jesse would watch Parks and Rex. How many of you guys know what Parks and Rex is all right it's a, it 's a fantastic show. go watch it um, and I would uh, I would just, you know, see Ron Swanson, you know, talk to his um, to his coworkers, and, and I, would, I would just picture myself working in that fake, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, organization. And I'm like, oh, man, it'd be so good just to have Ron Swanson as my boss and, you know, and, and and to have Chris Pratt just being, just doing some dumb stuff and me laughing at him and stuff like that. So it was really good. It actually helped me cope through a lot, of, uh, a lot of my issues with uh, working at Blue Cross. So I was able to uh, swallow um, uh, the, the horrible pill that was to work in a call center and just keep trucking along. So, um, so, but on the flip side of that coin, I avoid pain at all costs. I resent expectations. I have trouble being satisfied. Um, I have trouble with committing to things and I'm overly optimistic about situations and can easily be disappointed um, when things don't go according to the plan that my mind thought of. So um, often, I, uh, I think that people should give me a million dollars, and uh, I get very disappointed when they don't give me a million dollars. So, um, and I, <laughs> I can get very sad. Unrealistic as all get out, but hey, that's just me. Um, I tend to jump from one activity to another um, to keep from getting bored, um, just to maintain that feeling of excitement, um, the feeling of that new activity. Um, at times, I, uh, I suspend reality to where I just miss out on the things that are in front of me because I'm imagining myself, you know, being in a fictional or a fictional rather, uh, work environment with fictional bosses and fictional coworkers. Um, Or just trying to figure out what's next for myself. Um, I've also had moments where uh, I played a video game console under the guise of self-care. So when I've had a really bad day at work, I've had a really bad week, um, you know, principal yelled at me or or whatever it is, um, just sit down for a few hours, play video games, just so that I don't have to think about my problems um, for a few hours. Uh, only to, when I get done, to be at the same spot that I was before. Um, Maybe you guys don't struggle with any of that stuff, you know, fantasizing about fictional characters or playing Xbox or any of that stuff. Um, But maybe what you do struggle with is getting into arguments with people and then replaying it in your mind and you telling them off, right? Um, Or you spend too much time worrying about something instead of living in the moment. Um, there are all sorts of reasons we need to try to um, get out of our own heads and to be present. You know, video games um, at one point was something that I did, um, but maybe you binge-watch a Netflix series. You know, maybe you binge-watch a Hulu series uh, to avoid your problems instead of actually dealing with them. Um, you can still use a lot of the strategies that you that you know that I will say or that I will speak on, Rhonda. Uh, Chris, G, and uh, Caleb talked about last week, you know, to be um, genuinely happier with where you are. So, the first thing that I do is, yes, I practice living in the present. I practice living in the here and in the now. Um, I want to go ahead and uh, read Matthew six thirty-four within the message because I feel like this uh, says it really good. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when they come. So whenever I start feeling unsatisfied or I start feeling um, anxious about finances, work, my life, my kids, I force myself to uh, stop thinking about those things. A lot of times it's, it's easier and sometimes it's a little bit harder to get out of that, um, that negative mentality Um, so I, uh, I take a deep, a few deep breaths and I remind myself to be in the present. Um, I begin to thank God for my job, begin to thank God for my health, my kids, my wife, um, my car, my apartment. Um, I become, I try to become aware of my surroundings and I recognize that time lost is time that I will never get back. So I picture God being right next to me and in my current state. Um, and I don't worry about the future me that's a better Christian, right? Or who is further along. You know, I say words to myself and I say, God loves me now. God is here right now. God isn't restricted or constrained by my stress, my sin, my lack of faith. God sees me and ferociously desires me right now. My heart, my mind my body, my soul. The second thing I do um, is I read my Bible daily and I meditate on his word Um, because I I can bounce from one thing to another. It's really hard to sit still and to sit in silence for myself uh, because I feel like I'm not making really good use of my time at all. Um, But I know it's good for me because it forces me to shift my attention from myself to God, you know, I continue throughout the day to think about the passages that I read, and it helps me actually stay grounded. Um, you know, it's 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 this has been something that I've been I've been trying to do for about five or six months with uh, you know daily reading, and it's and it's definitely made a huge difference. And like I said at the beginning, you know, incremental growth is still growth. Um, so I want you guys to think about. You know, some of the things that you are, are thankful for. Um, and I want to remind you um, to start, um, you know, to live, you know, in the present and to live in the, uh, in the moment. Um, there's wonder and beauty right where you are, just waiting for you to notice. Uh, last mess, or rather the last uh, Bible verse that I want to read is Philippians 4, uh, verses yeah, Philippians 4 8 and the message again, because I feel like it it makes it it, it it says it really well. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say um, you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned, what you've heard what you saw and what you realize. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Thank you.
2: Hey, y'all. <clears throat> so my self-care is called I Hang Out With Jesus. And that's literally what I'm going to talk about the next 10 minutes. I hang out with him and what that looks like in my crazy life. He is my best friend. He is my savior. And I have to give him the time to spend, right? He needs to be absolutely the number one thing in my life or I am one hot mess. Worse than the hot mess y'all are already familiar with. The reason why I hang out with God is because I love him. And he first loved me. And if you look at 1 John 4.19, you'll read those words. We love him because he first loved us. If he does nothing else for me, But love me, that is enough for me to want to hang out with him. We like hanging out with people we love, right? I mean, you know, they can get on your nerves sometimes or whatever, but we get on their nerves too, so it's a two-way street. When do I hang out with Jesus? Three ways. When he wakes me up and asks me to. I'm nocturnal. My daily life doesn't really revolve around that, but yet I am still a night owl. So when he wakes me up and asks me to hang out, I hang out. When I can't sleep and he asks me to, I hang out. And the third one is when I want to it's a two way relationship. He ain't Santa Claus and I'm no angel when you love somebody and you cherish them and you admire them and you want to be more like them, you spend time with them. So if you want to know who's really your best friend in your life, see who you spend the most time with. You'll figure it out. Where do I hang out with the Lord? That can vary, but if you go to Psalm 91... It says that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And then there is a whole laundry list of beneficial things that happen to you just for hanging out with him. Now, I'm not doing it specifically for the benefits, but there are benefits. So you might as well do it, right? So in your prayer time, and your study, go read Psalm 91. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. So where is your secret place? Because that is what Psalm 91 says. He who dwells, right? He who hangs out, he who abides in the secret place of the Most High. That means that I cannot depend on Pastor Chris and whatever we sing on Sunday morning for my salvation. This is just a byproduct. We get out of here what we put into it during the week. The time we hang out with the Lord is what we get when we show up. So we need to be strong for each other as well as ourselves. So sometimes my secret place is in a hammock. Y'all know I love hammocks. Tacos are messy, so I don't eat tacos while I do hammock. But um, Sometimes I build a fire in the backyard sometimes, most of the time, I'm hanging out on a blanket on my living room floor because I don't want to wake Buck up because it's usually at night. And I need to get alone with God, right? Otherwise, I'm going to be listening to Buck's breathing patterns and my white noise machine and what time is it and let me scroll Facebook. And I ain't got time for that when I'm hanging out with Jesus. So where is your secret place? You should probably figure that out. Now, how do I hang out with Jesus? First point, I read his word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How many of y'all know we cannot rely on how we feel about something? Now that doesn't mean that God won't let something line up with how you feel, but you really need to know that you're hearing from the Holy Spirit and in my case, not from Rhonda. Because Rhonda will screw it up. Rhonda will get offended or hurt or prideful or whatever. And I need to make sure that I got as much Jesus in me increasing and I'm decreasing. But I need the word to do that. I can't depend on Pastor Chris to help be all my Bible for the week. And I need to read it to know who I'm serving and who I'm loving and who I'm talking about. Not somebody else's version. You got to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. I pray. Matthew chapter 6, which we've already hit on 34, um, 5 through 8 says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So I read the Word, and then I pray. And since I've read the Word, I can pray more effectively because I'm lining up. With God's word and how I should do that. So sometimes we have to pray in a public setting, but you sure need to be getting on your face before God by yourself at some point, somewhere, some way, somehow. And the more you do it, the better. But your prayers aren't going to be effective if you're praying wrong because you haven't gotten in the word. And if all you do is ever read the word and you never talk to Him, then you don't have a relationship. You're reading a biography. Now, the Bible is not a history book. It is living and powerful. But we need to make sure that we're spending time talking to God. And then the most important point that I could stress, my last one, I shut up and listen. Now, I like the talk. And y'all know I like to talk. But at some point in time, if I'm going to have a conversation with you, if I'm going to talk to Emmerich, i got to let her talk. Right? I mean, if she's a friend and she's dear, then I should care about what she has to say. And sometimes we're so busy trying to pray the right prayer. And, oh, dear Lord, and, oh, dear God, and do you hear my cry? And I'm trying my best to do the right thing. And for God's sake, just shut up and let him say something you ain't giving him a chance. If you're scrolling Facebook and skipping video ads and binge watching the TV all at the same time and praying and trying to catch some little word blurb here and there, you're, you're multitasking and you're not giving God your undivided attention. I didn't get to know Buck by not giving him my undivided attention. He didn't get to know me. We had to be one-on-one learning what each other was like. And I want to be more like Jesus every single second of my life. I take seriously what goes on up here by the altar. This is not a stage. This is an altar. And I'm responsible for whatever crappeth I bring in here. And I want to bring the anointing, and I don't want it to get in the way. But y'all have, it has to be evident that Jesus really is my best friend, or y'all to know it, because it will be on display for everybody to see. 5 a.m. last week, my dad had had a procedure. They found a lesion and four polyps. And thank God they're benign, okay? Praise God. Hallelujah. And so I got up, and I went to pee. And I come back, and I get in the bed, and I'm trying not to think about Eye of the Tiger or living on a prayer or whatever song's bumping in my head at that moment. And I go to get back in the bed, but I'm not saying anything, right? And I get in the bed, and the Lord says, if you want to make a difference with your daddy, get up. Now, it could mean kingdom mind and stuff. I don't think that that's necessarily a, something that had to be specific to the outcome of the report, but I certainly felt like it encompassed it, and so I got up, and I prayed, and I was up two hours, but I didn't pray nonstop for two hours. I'd be hoarse. I just sat there and hung out with the Lord. He didn't tell me I had to do something. He told me to get up. That's what he told me to do. If you want to make a difference with your daddy, get up. You don't have to know and have some massively spiritual over-the-top encounter. Sometimes Jesus just wants your company. Do you love him enough to give him your company? He gives us his presence. Can we at least do that? Can we at least just hang out with him? You know, you see happily married couples have been married a long time and they're in the restaurant and they'll say something about how hot or cold it is in there and then they're just eating, but they're content. They're smiling. They're in each other's company. And so this is what I equate to being with the Lord. And so don't make Jesus an afterthought. Make Him the number one priority and the number one relationship in your life.
0: Amen. Thank you very much. Let's give the Lord a hand and thank them for... Also thank these two for coming up. Did they do good? Yeah. Amen. All right. Um. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm going to let out a secret, and we're going we're gonna to be closing up right now, but here's a secret, and you can't judge me, all right? You can't judge. The Bible says judge not, lest least you be judged. But on my cell phone, I took off that feature that lets people know whether I read a text or not. Anybody else do that? Right? Because, you know, there's nothing worse than sending somebody a text, and then you see those three little bubbles, like they're going to respond, and then they never respond, right? Or they leave you on read, like they left it on, and you know they read it, but they never gave you a response, you ever had that experience? You send somebody and you, you ask them a question or you give them an idea and you never hear anything back. And I want to put the challenge out that I think God has spoken to some people right now. That he's put his word out there and I challenge you not to leave God, not to leave Jesus on red. And by that I mean respond. If you felt challenged to maybe have a secret place in your house, or in your yard somewhere to go and spend some time with the Lord, because your walk with God is your responsibility. I'm running my race, and I can't drag you. I can yell behind me and say, come on, it's fun. It ain't easy, but it's good. But I can't drag you, because Jesus is dragging me. I'm holding on to him. Maybe you were challenged to read His Word or, or to get into Scripture. But as I was praying today, and I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes just for a second. and As I was praying for you this morning and putting into practice that which these guys talked about, just sitting before the Lord and, and reading my Scripture and praying for you and the people that would show up in this room, I felt like the Lord did give me something that, that there are some people and I don't know who it is, but that your life has been almost turned upside down in a sense. And you feel like you're falling or you feel like it's just upside down and you can't turn it around. You're on your own. But the encouragement is, is, is I believe God knows. And he wants you to know that he could be your hope. He could be your answer that he was crushed and destroyed on the cross. His body was broken. His life was poured out so that you could receive life and that you could be restored and your life could be put back together. I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come up here to the, to the front right now. So if, if you guys, Jonathan and Jesse, if you guys could come and, and a few other people, and if, if you would just stand with me right now Guys, I'm Bob.